We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Freedom of speech, the ability to believe and worship God as uh, we have the right to do according to our Constitution, Bill of Rights. And it's also the place where uh, we actually believe in family and the family unit and what that looks like. Uh, but, you know, there's some ideas going around that uh, I don't know if you've noticed now make us terrorists. So we're not just deplorable. I guess we are now uh, on the terrorist list uh, of our own United States government. It was on uh, Tucker. He's really the only one that I watch now because he has no fear. And if you uh, are resistant to the COVID vaccine for whatever reason, maybe you're like me and you had it and you have a stronger immunity and it's actually dangerous for you to have uh, the vaccine. If you uh, are opposed to the January 6th commission or if you believe that the election was stolen, according to our government under President Biden, you are now a terrorist. So congratulations. I guess we'll just all throw ourselves into that basket as well, according to our own government. Dissent, anything like that, is now considered terrorism. But we're not going to dwell on that because I'm sure, you know, we could dive off into that cliff and really spend a good hour discussing it. I will be watching this closely. You can Google it. You can search it on YouTube. Of course, Google is communist, so you may not find as much as you want, but there's plenty of ways to uh, research what I just told you. I was quite surprised. But I want to get back into the education and what we've been talking about for the uh, last two episodes. Well, actually three episodes. This is our fourth one on the series. If you've not listened to part one of this one or the two prior to that on how uh, our school system uh, has not only been founded but has continued to dive down into the depths of Marxism, I highly recommend that. Uh, so it probably won't surprise you to know that the world's most renowned Marxist revolutionaries were and are greatly influenced uh, by Marxists in colleges. And we talked about uh, that, uh, you know, in a previous episode. And they're, uh, you know, basically made up of the, the uh, hippies of the 60s and 70s, the anti-war, anti-capitalist movement uh, back in the day. And they are now our college professors. Um, let me read to you out of uh, American Marxism by Mark Levin a couple things here. It says, quote, all millennialists hope that commitment to their beliefs will spread far and wide 
according to a uh, lands. Uh, I'd have to look back to see exactly who this person is. Enough to bring about a transformation of the social and political universe that is the very essence of millennialism as opposed to other forms of eschatology. The just will live free in this world. It's a collective salvation, a social mysticism. It might come by and by, but such a promise is not pie in the sky. It imagines a transformation of humanity, an evolutionary leap into a different way of human interaction that can have enormous emotional appeal. To use language of political science, millennialism is a perhaps the first revolutionary idolatry, idolatry, well, I guess you could say it is, ideology. We saw this play out during the summer of 2020 with widespread violent riots initiated and organized by Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and other Marxist-oriented groups, among others. We also saw acceptance of and support for BLM spread throughout the culture, including in the Democrat Party, corporations, professional sports, and newsrooms, to name a few. For the people who have entered apocalyptic time, everything quickens, enlivens, coheres. They become uh, semiotically aroused. Everything has meaning, patterns. The smallest incident can have immense importance and open the way to an entirely new vision of the world, one in which forces unseen by other mortals operate. The revolutionary is intolerant of differing beliefs or ideas. Of intellectual challenges or oppositions, he demands conformity, which he declares as unity and communality. If we refuse, they will bring it to us. And if we resist, alas, too often, they will strike us down as apocalyptic enemy or force us to strike them down. Now, that's very, uh, very interesting, you know, uh, take on things. And um, there was another one. Oh, here it is. So I wanted to read to you um, that kind of gives you the idea, the um, zeal of these people that are coming out of our colleges that are now teaching our children in our public schools because it's been there for generations. But this is what they teach, okay? So um, let me read this uh, section here for you out of the same book. It says, Consequently, it's unsurprising that the world's most renowned and notorious Marxist revolutionaries were greatly influ- influenced by their college experiences and studies. For example... The biography of Russia's Vladimir Ilyich Yulinov, have no idea, we call him Lenin, includes that he was, quote, was born into a well-educated family. He excelled at school and went on to study law. At university, he was expressed or exposed to radical thinking, and his views were also influenced by the execution of his elder brother, a member of a revolutionary group. Expelled from university for his radical policies, Lenin completed his law degree as an external student in 1891. He moved to St. Petersburg and became a professional revolutionary. Now, this is in college texts, okay? This is what your your children are being taught. Uh, let me tell you how they um, put Mao. So, it says, although uh, China's Mao Zedong was born in a peasant family, his biography explains that, quote, he trained as a teacher and he traveled to Beijing where he worked in the university library. It was during this time that he began to read Marxist literature. In 1921, he became a founding member of the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, and set up a branch in uh, Hunan or whatever you call it. And then this is what they say about uh, Cambodia's Pol Pot. He came from a relatively prosperous family. His biography states that he was, quote, educated in a series of French-speaking schools. In 1949, he won a scholarship to study in Paris, where he became involved in communist politics. Hmm. 
Okay, so tens of billions of dollars every year. I'm probably reading it in the tone that they read it to your school children. These are not people that murdered over 100 million people. They were just misunderstood. They went to college and came from prosperous families, and they gave it all up so that they could lead a revolution that killed tens of millions of innocent people. That's the tone. I don't know if you've noticed that, but if you watch a lot of these people that talk, they get that tone. Have y'all noticed this? We're telling you lies, but we want you to think that what we're telling you is truth and that we actually care about you. So we're going to have this tone as we push poison down your throat and your children's throat. You've got to remember that for these people, capitalism is the enemy. That's what must be destroyed. And that's why when you look at the BLM um, riots and the Antifa riots that occurred uh, over the last couple years due to um, black folks getting killed by police officers, uh, they would also burn down the businesses of minorities, including black people, because black owners of businesses, black cops are targeted by these Marxists because they are part of the capitalist system. And they're now no longer black. They may look black, but they think white. That's what, that's what they think, see. They believe that inequity, not equality, inequality. See, there's, there are two different words. And again, I'm going to get into the code words and what they're actually saying in a later podcast. But inequity is built into the system. America is inherently racist. And it was formed to preserve slavery, according to the 1619 Project, which I've already started digging into that a little bit. I'm going to do a podcast on it and then the 1776 Commission. But they believe, according to the 1619 Project, that America was formed literally, excuse me, to preserve slavery. And so everything from that point on was inherently racist. Now, if that's the case, why are millions flooding to our borders to get into such a racist country and leaving socialist Marxist countries. I mean, they can't answer that question because uh, what they believe is just uh, stupid. But to them, there are only two classes, the oppressors and the oppressed. So if you're white, you're the oppressor. If you're black or any other color, but mostly black, you're oppressed. Unless you're a black cop or black business owner. So on the basis of these ideas, Marx said that we need to Quote, rescue education of the influence of the ruling class or the oppressors, which again, in our context of America is us white people and others who have been brought into the capitalist system. So for that reason, our school books have methodically removed patriotism, our history, the good, the bad, the ugly, democracy, our republic, other noble ideas, and they've transformed them into indoctrination manuals based on, quote, structural inequities. So let me, I want you to hear again, um, Randy uh, Weingarten, and she's fussy about the opposition to critical race theory. And I want you to hear how she phrases it. Remember who gets in trouble for teaching honest history. We have a legal defense fund. Do you hear that? Honest history. That's, that's how they view this. Now, whether she actually believes it, uh, I don't know. You've got people out there that are useful idiots. They're oblivious. Um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is probably one of the idiots I'm referring to. 
But you have others that they know this is not true. They know it, but they're propagandists because they have an agenda. So I don't know if this person, Randy Weingarten, who's over one of our major school uh, unions, is an idiot or she is an Uh, implicit in her involvement in pushing this, but for the educator, whether useful or not, CRT is called honest history. Now, let me be clear. Structural inequalities and systemic means simply means our society is unjust and moral, and there can be no justice or improvement on it. We are irredeemable. Therefore, we must be relentlessly attacked and condemned assaulted in small ways and large, and ultimately uprooted, according to Levin. Discrimination, injustice, uh, subjugation are everywhere for American Marxists and enshrined in our Constitution and other founding documents in our economic system. So I want to introduce you to late Professor Jean or Jean Anion, who was a self-described rebellious kid from the 60s, And she was a professor of social and education policy in the urban education doctoral program at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Now, she's not known to many of us, but she's one of the most influential in education. And her ideas are being carried out in our schools today. So she introduced critical uh, pedogeny or critical teaching. She wrote that, quote, neo-Marxist scholarship from the late 1970s to 1989 established that U.S. schools were not neutral in regard to social oppression or exclusion, but were critically implicated in the reproduction of economic inequalities and social ideologies. The next period, she says, 1990 to 2005, attended to the criticism that race and gender were missing from our analysis and took neo-Marxism in new directions. So what's she saying? Well, she's saying that the education system helped oppress others. See, that's why they think that mathematics is an oppression. Science, you're oppressing us. Therefore, they began to spread the idea among academia. And then in the next phase, it was time to introduce race and gender inequalities. She says, in addition to extending Marxist theory, new conditions require an extension of our practice. Critical teaching and it is an enduring, important form of neo-Marxist practice for education at all levels. In other words, we've got to use education to expand Marxism. But they don't want to stop there. See, they not only want to teach Marxism, but they also want to enlist students into Marxism. She said, quote, Critical educators today have an important role in helping students apprehend possibility in what at first glance might appear overdetermined or unchangeable racial class and gender subordination. Okay, so now this is what she's saying, okay? Just for those of us that are the deplorables that maybe we don't quite get all the fancy language, students must understand how irredeemable America is. But you can't come off like an iron fist, right? So the indoctrination, it's got to be methodical. You got to use words that soften the language like the phrase reimagine. Let's reimagine policing. Now, if anyone brings up how jacked Marxism is and the results like 100 million plus deaths, it just wasn't done right. See, they, they just didn't do it right. They had the right motive and the right ideas, but they just didn't execute the process correctly. She went on to say that, quote, shifts in political identity do not so much motivate contentious political action as develop a logical consequence of it. 
One develops a political identity and commitment, a change of consciousness from joining demonstrations, marching, singing, and joining the activities of social justice, justice organizations in one's neighborhood, etc. Participation creates individual participants, and it also leads to groups developing their own collective identity as social change activists. So what this means for me and you and your children is that, and I want you to hear me, schools no longer see their purpose as teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but instead their role is to raise up trained Marxist activists who will become foot soldiers for their purpose of destroying this country. They know that it's not enough to motivate them with politics in order to get their change of consciousness, their political identity, identity politics, in order to get people to buy into what they're selling, you can't just educate them. You got to get them involved in marching and demonstrations and other activities of social justice. These ideas are constantly preached in academia. She continues. There is a need to assist students in interpreting economic and political developments as opportunities for participation, helping them to appropriate existing institutional and organization forms for providing physical and emotional support for actual public contention and development of themselves as active agents in their, on their own and are in their own communities' uh, futures. So this is the duty of critical educators. You got to turn them into little activists, right? Little Antifas. So their job is to assist the students with the skill of public political contention within the school experience and to, quote, develop students' predisposition to engage in it by actually involving them in protest activity of some kind. Let's just throw out reading, writing, and everything all together. I mean, let's be real. They don't want that, right? So let's just throw it out. Let's just go ahead and turn them into Marxist propaganda indoctrination institutions. Now, the result of such ideas in academia is that academia, approximately only 9% are conservative, and they're usually mildly or maybe average, while 80% are solidly left, and over half of those are extreme left, and that was according to a survey taken in 2006. Now, on top of that, One in five professors in social sciences are self-identified as Marxists. And by the way, social studies have replaced history. So a tiny fraction of the general population in America are Marxists. So in order to change that, Marxists need as many students indoctrinated as possible, which is the reason that they're pushing for free college and cancellation of student loans. They need to get more and more people into the classrooms into the colleges. Now, critical theory, okay, which, by the way, what we're seeing them do is what John Dewey saw, a systematic, methodical, uh, widespread, slow spread, but they were patient in our elementary schools from the top down. That's what he saw. Critical theory is the doctrine of the Marxists and from which springs all the other theories of which you'll see. So let me define critical theory before we even get into critical race theory. Critical theory, quote, draws heavily on Karl Marx's notion of ideology because of the bourgeoisie, (laughs) uh, bougie, 
uh, controlled the means of production, Mark suggested, they controlled the culture. In other words, the people that owned the businesses that were capitalists, they were the oppressors, they controlled the culture. Consequently, the laws, beliefs, and morality of society reflected the interests of those people. And importantly, people were unaware of this, that this was the case. In other words, capitalism created a situation where the interests of a particular group of people, those who controlled society, were made to appear to be universal truths and values when in fact they were not, according to Yuri Harris at the Quillette, a libertarian-leading platform that promotes free speech and the free exchange of ideas. Okay, so here's the thing. You're being oppressed and you don't know it, unless you're white and you're a capitalist and then you're the oppressor. But if you're not those two things, uh, if you're just, uh, you know, Joe the plumber trying to, you know, build his business to feed his family, um, to pay his bills, to maybe employ some other people to help them have a better life because wealth has always proven to bring more people out of poverty. Uh, socialism has not. That's been evident in every single time people have done it. Uh, but if you're one of those people, you're either oppressing or you're oppressed and you just don't know it. Because the entire system has been built by those in power. So they've made you think that you're doing good when you're not. See, that, that's how crazy these people are. So critical theory exposes the powerful's control and, quote, serves the powerless. So according to critical theorists, quote, all theory is political. And by choosing critical theory over traditional theory, one chooses to challenge the status quo in order to change it. Now, back to our good, good, good old friend, Herbert Marcuse. He is, quote, credited with hatching the critical theory ideology from which all the other critical theory based movements were launched in America. Again, he's from Germany. I mean, if he didn't like our country, just go back. Why'd you leave? Why'd you escape? Did you not like the socialism? These people. He wrote an extremely confusing paper on how oppressive tolerance is called, or how oppressive tolerance is called repressive tolerance back in 1965 now it's confusing it doesn't make any sense because it's dumb but he basically said that tolerance is used to oppress others therefore intolerance is called for because the non-marxists are quote too senseless to realize that they're oppressed and their existence is at the service of the rich and powerful who control society so let me tell you what that means dear black person you're too stupid to realize you're oppressed. Therefore, you need others to tell you how oppressed you are by Whitey. That's what that's saying. They're literally saying you have no idea. America, as a land of opportunity and freedom, is fiction. Oh, and by the way, law and order is the most oppressive of all because Marxists must resort to other means to overthrow America, including violence. And law and order protects the established hierarchy or oppressors to continue to oppress, which is why President Trump's push for law and order caused leftists and Marxist heads to explode. And that's why he was a racist, not just because he's white, but because he espoused the very things that Marxists say is oppressive, like, I don't know, police and reduction of crime. Now, one of the most destructive of critical theory movements is CRT, or critical race theory. So let me turn over here in Mark Levin's book, Pages 86 through 87. I've got like so many notes. It's amazing. The two best-selling proponents of CRT, Robin D'Angelo and Ibram Kendi, 
CRT begins with the presumption that race is a primary way to identify and analyze people and consequently posits a racial hierarchy that supposedly exists with whites on top and blacks on the bottom. Individual behavior is insignificant because everyone in America functions within a society of systemic racism, structural racism, and institutional racism. So what that means is when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said that you are not to know a person by the color of their skin but by the, their character, that's not true, according to critical race theorists. According to this perspective, efforts by public and private organizations to enforce civil rights laws in employment, housing, contracting, education, etc. are either insufficient or pointless. CRT offers two responses to this situation. First, all whites must admit their culpability by confessing the advantages white supremacy confers on them. Failure to do so reflects white fragility. An instinctive defensiveness that whites are said to display after they've been trained about their investment in racism. Secondly, individual whites cannot hide behind any personal history of non-discrimination or the desirability of race-neutral laws or policies because collective action of their race has been impressive. In other words, we're inherently right racist, so it doesn't matter what laws or anything that we do to help um, people that maybe are actually oppressed. Uh, it just isn't going to work because... Um, were racist. Uh, here's some of the things that they promote, uh, the critical race theorists. The Marxist analysis of society made up of categories of oppressors and oppressed, the idea that the oppressed impede revolution when they adhere to the cultural beliefs of their oppressors and must be put through re-education sessions. The concomitant need to dismantle all societal norms through relentless criticism. Huh. Cancel culture. Interesting. The replacement of all systems of power and even the description of those systems with the world view that describes only oppressors and the oppressed. CRT takes blame to a new and dangerously hate hateful level. That is, white privilege and the white dominant culture are responsible for all manner of black and minority grievances and disaffection. I don't know if you know this, but um, for the first time, I think since the founding of this country, uh, the white population has decreased by uh, 5 million. One of the biggest factors is uh, fentanyl. And uh, so now white folks are the minority. And I'm going to do a little short bonus episode uh, playing all the people that celebrate the fact that we're killing ourselves off. Now, I'm going to just personally disclose that before I was a born-again Christian, I was a racist. Um, I was raised uh in a home where we look down on all minorities. In fact, I got a lot of flack, actually, for having friends that were Mexican. Um, we come from the South. Uh, my family's from Tennessee and Alabama, and uh, we did own slaves back in the history. It's not uh, something I'm proud of. Uh, so I know what racism is, and I know what it's not. And I can tell you that just because you're white doesn't mean you're racist. I mean, even saying I don't see color is racist. I'm denying. See, that's a, that's a sign of white fragility. I'm denying that I'm inherently racist. Racism had to be taught to me. Um, I wasn't born that way. I remember. And so, uh, you know, you've got these people that are basically pitting us against each other based on our race. And uh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. So they're basically fighting racism with racism, but on steroids, because all they see is racism everywhere. So Marcuse and others like him believe that Marxists and the oppressed, especially black folk, 
are victims of law and order. That's why anyone that's killed by the police that is black, regardless of past criminal, uh, criminal history, is made into a martyr because law and order is the enemy. But critical theory doesn't stop there. I don't know if you know this, but it has uh, spawned a seemingly endless supply of disgruntled, hateful, ID, good grief, ideal-driven groups. Let me just say that. There are victims of some type of discrimination, like you've got Muslims, LGBTQ, women. I don't know if you've heard of LACCRIT. Uh, this is another um, CRT movement. But for them, white Americans are colonists and the true natives are indigenous, indigenous Mexicans. Therefore, the open border thing that we got going on here. Um, where they're flooding our country is so they can take it back because we're the usurpers. And that's why uh, Biden supports it, because he agrees with this assess assessment. Let me read you this. Uh, they have a report um, where it talks about uh, his transition team. They were warned early on by federal immig immigration officials that their initiatives would overwhelm the border and the immigration systems. But Biden ignored them, the Post report says, quote, during the transition period, career officials at U.S. Customs and Border Protection tried to issue sober alarms to the Biden team about the likelihood of a crisis at the border that could quickly overwhelm the nation's capacity. Senior CBP officials delivered Zoom briefings to the Biden transition team that included modeling projections showing a steep increase in the arrival of unaccompanied minors if Trump's policies were suddenly lifted, according to one current and two former Department of Homeland Security officials. What was missing from this re report was that Biden's decisions were in line with the LACCRIP movement's view of immigration to which he was appealing. Overwhelming the immigration system and border security forced significant numbers of CBP officials from their border enforcement duties and had the effect of creating an open, unmanned border. Until thousands of immigrants were released into our country without even receiving court dates for asylum hearings, and others had the coronavirus, among other diseases, Therefore, rather than to fund CBP, a policy pushed by Marxists within the Democrat Party and Latcrit activists, but which would have not received sufficient votes in Congress, the Biden administration simply changed the immigration and border dynamics uh, by executive fiat. The plan is linked to the CT, Marxist ideology, that is, the more immigrants, the better, continue to overwhelm and collapse the system, change the nation's politics, demographics, and citizenry, and ultimately transform the nature of the governing system. Oh, and by the way, if you happen to be maybe, let's say, black and a woman, you're now in what's called intersectionality, meaning you have several reasons that you're a victim of white oppression. A law professor uh, named uh, Kimberly Crenshaw said in an interview on CNN that CRT is a practice. It's an approach to grappling with a history of white supremacy that rejects the belief that what's in the past is the past and that the laws and systems that grow from that past are detached from it. So CRT was first applied to law and it was used to transform criminal justice. So basically, says that all law was written by the dominant culture, the oppressors, therefore the oppressed can't get a break, which is why we have bail reform, defund the police, and criminals charged with serious crimes released immediately to go and rob and kill others. CRT proponents refuse to acknowledge the progress America has made concerning science. So I want to stop there for um, this uh, episode. We'll finish up in the next one because I've got several videos I want to play. 
But I've basically outlined for you what's being taught to your school children in public schools. COVID exposed it. You now have a choice. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to stop this? What are we going to do to stop this? That's the question. I'll see you next week.